Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Book Living Alive podcast, a weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. Working to achieve peace of mind is not easy, nor is it simple, nor is it fast. Basically, you have to work at it. Yes, you have to dig down, get your hands dirty, dig in the dirt a little bit, and plant the seeds so that they can grow into something great. That's easy. I can throw out those types of platitudes to you, but again, until you decide that you want to break that cycle, those resentments, that fear, that anger, then nothing changes. There's a great song by Randy Travis from a few years ago called Digging Up Bones, where he's sitting on the porch, rocking in the chair, thinking about everything and holding on to all that pain and everything that happened to him. And it makes a great country song, don't they all? Isn't every country song, before they went rock and roll, about that pain and that loss and that resentment and the hanging on and not letting go? Let's hear what Joe and Charlie have to say about hanging on to resentments. Let's look at the method of prayer that we use to get rid of those resentments that do not automatically disappear during the inventory process. Because this was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick, though we did not like their symptoms and the way they disturbed us. They, like ourselves, were sick too. Here's the prayer. We ask God to help us to show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God save me from being angry. Thy will be done. You know, for many, many years, I used to lay awake nights thinking about those people, and my mind would race uncontrollably. And one of them was against my first wife, Rose. And uh, one night, I, I, one time, she we filed for divorce again, threw all my clothes out in the yard like she's supposed to. And I gathered them up and took off. And about three months later, I was sitting in the bar drinking, and I got to thinking. Now, you all know either drink or think. Don't get the two of them mixed up. But I was sitting there one night drinking, and I got to thinking. Old Rose hasn't seen me now in two or three months. And I know she's lonely. I mean, wouldn't you be if you hadn't seen me in two or three months? <laughs> and I said, I think I'll go over and see old Rose. So I got off the bar stool, got in my car, drove over to the house, and knocked on the door, and she kind of... Well, what she did was she peeked out, and I just broke in, okay? Get right down to it. And I got in there, and there sat an old boy in my recliner watching my television with my wife in my house. Then I'm making payments on all that. What are you going to do, John? Whip somebody's rear end, right? Well, I jumped on that old boy, and he liked to beat me to death in my own living room floor. And he threw me out of the house into the yard, and he told me not to ever come back. Think about it. Boy, I was mad, and I was resentful, and I was angry, and I hated him. And I replayed that scene in my mind a thousand times over the next years. Thousands of times. And what I'm going to do the next time he said that she did this, after all I've done for her, and she'd do me this way. You don't think I had any self-pity, do you? But I went crazy. And I brought all of these thoughts and all of these attitudes into my next marriage. There's no wonder that one failed with all that stuff going on. <clears throat> when I got into Alcoholics Anonymous 
and I have found the way to get even with all of those people. I've been looking for it for years, and I found it. So listen, the best way to get even with those people is to love them. The only way to get even with people is to love them. And I did not know that. I thought you got revenge getting even with them. Well, how am I going to do that? Well, I was at a little conference over in... Uh, how are you going to learn to love them? Right. That's the question. And I was at a little conference over in uh, uh, Apache, Oklahoma, and I met a lady there. Her name was Alabama Carruthers, and I just loved Alabama. She's a southern lady. And she was enthusiastic about this program, and she just loved life, and I could tell. She was just happy all the time. And I can remember that night of her talks, just as plain as day, she said, I, I have peace of mind today. And that thought just hit me like a thunderbolt. Well, man, I, and that's all I've ever wanted was a peace of mind because my mind raced uncontrollably. And after the meeting, we were in the lobby of this hotel, and I got the chance to talk with Alabama. It was about 4 o'clock in the morning before people left. And Alabama and I started talking, and my sponsor was laying over in her lap asleep. And I said, Alabama, you've talked about having that peace of mind, and I, I, I need peace of mind. <clears throat> and she said, well, what makes you think that? And I told her some of the things that were going on in my head and how I'd been sober about three months, and I couldn't sleep. And she said, Joe, you're just full of resentments. And I said, well, what is a resentment? And she said, resentments are old angers and old hurts that are refelt and rethought over and over and over again. And she explained that to me. And I said, is there any solution to this? And she said, yes, there is. And she had a purse about this big and about that tall. And she just happened to have one of these big books in it. So she reached down in that purse and pulled out this big book. And she said, Joe, turn to page 551 of this book. And I'm going to give you a solution. And I did that. And on page 551, the second paragraph from the bottom, it begins. She said, I've had many spiritual experiences since I've been in the program. Many that I didn't recognize right away, for I'm slow to learn, and they take many guises. But one was so outstanding, I like to pass it on whenever I can in the hope that it will help someone as it's helped me. As I said earlier, self-pity and resentment were my constant companions, and my inventory began to look like a 33-year diary, for I seemed to have a resentment against everybody I'd ever known. All but one responded to the treatment suggested in the steps immediately, but this one posed a problem. It was against my mother, and it was 25 years old. I had fed it, fanned it, nurtured it as one might a delicate child, and it had become as much a part of me as my breathing. Now look what her resentment did to her. It had provided me with excuses for my lack of education, my marital failures, personal failures, inadequacies, inadequacies, and of course my alcoholism. And though I really thought I'd been willing to part with it, now I knew that I was reluctant to let it go. She would use this to blame for all of her failures. One morning, however, I realized I had to get rid of it before my reprieve was running out. And if I didn't get rid of it, I was going to get drunk. And I didn't want to get drunk anymore. In my prayers that morning, I asked God to point out to me some way to be free of this resentment. During the day, a friend of mine brought me some magazines to take to a hospital group I was interested in. And I looked through them, and a banner across the front one featured an article by a prominent clergyman in which I caught the word resentment. Here it is. Now, he said, in effect, if you have a resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for the person or thing that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask for, in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free.
Even when you don't really want it from them and your prayers are only words and you don't mean it, go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks and you will find that you've come to mean it and you'll want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness, resentment, and hatred, you now feel compassion, understanding, and love. Well, I went home after that conference and I was laying awake that night thinking. I said, well, I'm not doing anything anyhow but thinking, so I might as well start praying for those people. And I started praying for those people over and over and over and my lists got longer and longer and longer and this went on for a long long time for me it was more than two weeks but one day i was at the corner of 31st and lewis in tulsa which is a beautiful beautiful area and i got stuck in this stoplight it was just the length of a stoplight and i looked over and it was a beautiful beautiful old home over there magnificent gardens it was one of those spring mornings the tulips were all up in bloom the grass was the greenest green you've ever seen. The little squirrels were running around in the trees. The birds were chippering, and I was aware of that. Just the length of a light. And I thought, my God, how long has it been since I've seen those things? And you know, I couldn't remember. I could not remember. Everything was black and white. You know, when it talks about being cut off in the sunlight of the spirit, you know, I know what that means. I mean, I know what that means. You know, and from that day to this, those resentments have been gone. And I do feel understanding and love for those people. You know, and I ask the question to myself all the time, well, why must I owe for that? What do I owe for the peace of mind as a result of that? What do I owe Alabama? What do I owe God and this fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous? How much? There's no price. Other than to say yes when asked to do anything. And I have said yes, and I love this program. I love what has happened to me as a result of these actions. I've got peace of mind today. Now just think, if 95% of these resentments disappear during the inventory process because they look so dumb, if the other 5% can be removed through prayer, just think, that means that my mind can be resentment-free. These display cases that were filled with resentments before have now been emptied out. I think the reason this works so good is when you're praying for another human being, that's probably the greatest expression of love that one human being can have for another. Love and hate cannot exist on the same plane. Hate's going to disappear, and love's going to take its place. And I find that the part of my mind that used to be filled resentments is now filled with something entirely different. There's another natural law that applies here that says nature abhors a vacuum. No such thing as a void or a vacuum. Something's always rushing in to fill it up. And when those resentments disappeared and opened up the display cases, and I find that my mind is now automatically being filled with love, patience, tolerance, and goodwill toward my fellow man. And what absolutely amazed me is that I didn't have to read any other books to find love, patience, tolerance, and goodwill. I didn't have to go to any other fellowships to find it. If God dwells within me, that's always been a part of my makeup. I just never could use it before. In my chase for money, power, prestige, and sex, and what I thought was the good things of life, those feelings had to be repressed, and I had to operate on a different plane. Now the resentment's gone they automatically start coming to the surface. I'm in much less chance of drinking now 
than I was before I started this inventory process. There's nothing negative about step four. Everything that happens is that positive happening. I'm in much less chance of drinking now than I was before. I never, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything that works this simple and this easy if I do certain things. Now, it would do me good no good, though, to get rid of the resentments if I didn't know how to keep them from coming back. Because the world's full of sick people, and they're going to do it again to, tomorrow, as sure as anything. And if I'm not careful, I'll resent. And if I resent one, in a little while I'll resent two, then three, and the next thing you know, I'm a basket case. I've got to do one more thing, and then we'll be through with resentments, and we'll be through for the day. It may seem counterintuitive that on occasion we have to bring up what really hurts us in order to get rid of what really hurts us, but it's true. As long as we let the fear and the anger and the jealousies and all of the issues that bring us pain sit in the back of our heads, rent-free, doing nothing except making us relive them, revisit them, and come back to them over and over and over again until we break that cycle. There's no room for anything new. You can't put any more crap into a five-pound bag that's full of 10 pounds of crap. Let's put it that way. Bottom line, if it's full, you can't put any more in. You have to empty the glass, as all good alcoholics know, before you can fill it again. So, how about instead of emptying that glass one more time, we empty the pain, the suffering, the resentments, the fears. Work the fourth step. Let go of all of those issues and things that gave us the pain that caused us to drink, that kept the cycle going. And it's not easy, and I'm not saying we get it all right the first time, but that's what the later steps will help. Keep the decks clear. Worry about today. Don't worry about your fourth, and enjoy this time, this process that is helping us bring a higher power into our hearts and minds. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. If you'd like just the raw Joe and Charlie portion of the podcast, that is available on our Patreon site. The link to that is available on our website or in the pinned comment. Until next week, this is the Big Book Living Alive Joe and Charlie podcast.